Wow. Ek moet, uh, ek moet eerlijk vir jy wees, ek het um, nie so baie van jy verwacht vanavond nie. Um, jy weet, dan raak mense bykie overwhelmed. Ek, ek weet nie of jylle dit al beleef het nie. Maar ek geloof jylle is hier vir het doel. Want Abba Vader wil ons hier by mekaar he. En ek nou iets vergeet om te doen. Maar terwijl ek bezig is hier, gaan ek dit net gauw doen. Jammer. Ek wil, terwijl ek so net hier iets krijg, um, ek weet, hier is het klomp van julle wat niet is hier by ons, wat besoekers is by ons. En, um, vir wie was dit vreemd wat ons gedoen het vanavond? Julle kan maar eerlijk wees, ons is nie, ons nie kwaad wees vir julle nie. Vir wie, vir, vir wie was dit bykie vreemd? Dankie Cornel, dankie, dankie. Daar is een paar mense wat sê dit was bykie vreemd vanavond. Wel kom ek vertel jou, dit is nie vreemd vir die heren nie. En, um, want God hou daarvan dat ons onszelf voor hom en met hom geniet. En laat ons hom alle eer bring, want het gaan nie oor ons nie. En, en jylle sal sien nie by ons, waar jy ons nie veel oor wat jylle dink nie. En het gaan nie oor wat jylle dink nie, het gaan oor wat die heren van ons dink. So, en ek wil hier, jy moet die gesintheid hee vanavond. Het gaan nie oor wat ek van jou dink, of wat enig iemand anders hier van jou dink nie, het gaan oor wat God van jou dink, en het gaan oor wat Abba Vader vir jou wil hee. En, en ek weet vir paar van julle sal hoor, ek gebruik baie die naam Yeshua, dit is Jesus' Hebrewse naam, so as jy bekommerd is daar oor, um, Yeshua is sy Hebrewse naam, so ek gaan baie praat oor Yeshua, en vir alles ek die boodskap gaan bring vanavond. Maar weet julle wat vir my so amazing is van hierdie hele proces, en dit wat ons ingaan, en ons weet dat Pesach, Pesach is een belangrike tydperk vir die Heere, en ek gaan nou bykie praat, ons praat altyd van die Pesach feest, maar Pesach is nie een feest nie, en ek gaan nou vele wijze kom ek so sê. Maar ons is hier vir die feest van ongesierde brood, dis een feest. En die ongesierde brood, die feest van ongesierde brood, val saam met Pesach, en Pesach gaan eindelijk die feest van ongesierde brood vooraf. Maar wat weet ons wat gebeur het op hierdie dag? Wat weet ons wat gebeur het op Pesach? Want ons weet dat Yeshua is die Pesachlam. Hy is die een wat vir ons geoffer is. Hy is die een wat in die kruis gesterf het vir my en jou. Hy is die een wat sy bloed gestort het vir my en vir jou. So ons een nieuwe leven in hom kan hee. En ek het specifiek my rooi baie aangetrek, want ek wil een profetiese aksie doen. Vir die van julle wat nie weet wat een profetiese aksie is nie, gaan lees die segeel. En as jy sien... Vader sê vir die segel, en jy kan Hosea ook lees, dit, dit gebeur daar ook, maar vader sê vir die segel om het klomp goed te doen, om, om vir die volk te wees, en vir Israel te wees, wat hulle eindelijk bezig is om aan hom te doen. En dis een profetiese aksie. En in hierdie profetiese aksie, ek en jy is veronderstel om breid van Yeshua te wees. Ons is veronderstel om breid van Christus te wees. En jy sien, wanneer ons breid van Christus is, dan kom Yeshua, en hy kom maak ons stoe met die bloed, van sy bedekking. En in Engels praat ons, the blood of his covering. He is coming to cover us with his blood. En ek weet, hier is een hele paar Engels sprekende mense, en ek weet, as een paar mense wat hier sit vanaan, wat nie, wat nie helemaal mooi verstaan, wat ek nou vir julle sê nie. So, as julle nie omgeen, gaan ek die dienst in Engels doen vanaan. Dis het recht met julle. But you see, red is the color of blood. And red is what he did for you and I. And if you read the Bible and we see what, what the blood does, the blood covers everything. The blood, the blood washes away our sin. And, and in this moment, I want to do a prophetic action and I want to call my wife to the front. 
because she's my bride. And Yeshua came, and he came to hang his cloak of his blood around his bride so that she can be pure before him. And may we, as the bride of Christ, be pure before him. I want to I wanna actually speak to you. I know it's Pesach has just passed, and the reason why I say Pesach has just passed is because we are actually in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's why we're standing outside. We were waiting for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And um, that's not really the reason, because we had all these other things done for you guys. But the Feast of Unleavened Bread has just started. It started at sundown this evening. And Pesach happened just before that. And, and we talk about Pesach, and we know what Yeshua came to do for us on Pesach. And, and he said something to us. He said to us, remember me. Remember me. And, and I want to talk to you this evening about the, the meal that Yeshua had when he said, remember me. And for many, many years, I thought that this, this meal that he had was a Pesach meal. But let's find out if it was. But before we get there, I just want to talk to you a little bit about, about the, the feasts. And we have this perception about the Word of God, either through people who talk to us and tell us about these things, and we hear little tidbits here, and we hear a little bit of information there. And, and sometimes we read the Bible, and we've, we've got an understanding of what we read in the Bible, but do we really know what we're reading? Are we, are we understanding what, what is actually written to you and I in the Word of God. And I think there are quite a few misconceptions, and I think one of the misconceptions is that there are seven feasts. And we always talk about the seven feasts of God. We talk about God's seven feasts, but there aren't seven feasts. Because if you read the Bible, it doesn't say that there are seven feasts. In reality, there are only three. And I see a lot of frowns <laughs> in the audience this evening. But let me explain this to you. What we need to do is it's important to note that there are, there's a difference between Abba Father's appointed times and Abba Father's feasts. And when we look at the appointed times, when we read um, Le um, Leviticus 23 and from the first verse it talks about, he says, these are my appointed times. And the Hebrew word for appointed times is the word moed. Moed. But when he refers to the feasts, he only referred to three of them as his feasts. So there's a difference between his appointed times and his feasts. So what does the Word of God say about uh, these feasts? And what does the Word of God say these feasts are? So let's have a look and we read in the Scripture of what the feasts are. And I hope you all can read that. I know it's a bit busy this evening, but yeah, just bear with me. Some of them will look better, but uh, let's read that. And Exodus 23 verse 14 to 17 says, Three times thou shalt keep a feast. And, and I've put the, I don't know if I did. Yes, I've put the, the Hebrew word for you there. It, it is the word Hagag. And, and if you look at that word, it, it means it is a feast. That is the word for feast. It says, three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of the hog of unleavened bread. So that is the first one, the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded thee in the time appointed of, um, of the month of Abib. 
for in thou comest out uh, for in it thou comest out of Egypt and none shall appear before me empty and then he talks about the second one he says and the feast of harvest harvest the first fruits of thy labor which thou hast sown in the field and the feast of ingathering and the feast of ingathering is the last feast that we see in the in in the feasts of god it comes right at the end and and this is what we call sukkot or some of you will know it by the name of the feast of tabernacles that is the first feast or the third feast he says which is the end of the year when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field three times in the year all thy male shall appear before the Lord God. And that is important. It's one of the important things that we need to understand. And three times a year, all of the males in Israel had to appear in front of the temple. They had to go to Jerusalem. They had to go to the temple at the feast. And it's only these three feasts that he's talking about. And we see a similar scripture in the book of 2 Chronicles. And I want to read this to you. And, and, and 2 Chronicles gives us a little bit more of a clearer indication of these three feasts. And in 2 Chronicles 8 verse 13 it says, Even after a certain rate every day, offering according to the commandment of Moses on the Sabbaths and on the new moons and on the solemn feasts, three times in the year, even in the feast of unleavened bread and in the feast of weeks, that is Shavuot um, or Pentecost as we know it, and in the feast of tabernacles. So these are the three feasts of God. And if we look at it, I've, I've put up a little um, table for you there to show you what the feasts are all about. And if we look carefully, you'll see over there, Pesach, that is, these are the Moeds, these are the appointed times. So the first appointed time that we see is what? Is Pesach. The second appointed time is unleavened bread. The first, third one is uh, um, the uh, first fruits. The fourth one is um, Pentecost of Shavuot as we, as we know it. Um, the fourth one is the Day of Trumpets. We, in, the, in the Hebrew, it is Yom Teruah. The next one is Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. The next one is Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. And then we have another one, which is an appointed time, and it is called the Eighth Day. And in Hebrew, that day is known as Shemini Etzeret, or Atzeret, the Eighth Day. And then I have a little column there that shows you the feasts, and there are only three of them. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. Pentecost and Tabernacles, or um, Unleavened Bread, um, Shavuot, and Sukkot. And then we see the Sabbaths. And then we see if we read that, the, the, the word and we go and read what, what Abba Father says, he talks about there are seven Sabbaths. The first day of Unleavened Bread, the seventh day of Unleavened Bread, those two days are Sabbaths. And then he says, Pentecost will be a Sabbath. The Day of Trumpets will be a Sabbath. The Day of Atonement will be a Sabbath. Tabernacles, the first day of Tabernacles will be a Sabbath. And then he says, and on the eighth day it will be a Sabbath again. And these are the appointed times. These are the Sabbaths and these are the feasts of our Father. And you know, sometimes we call it the seven feasts of the Lord, and it's fine, we can call them the seven feasts of the Lord, but it's, if, if we look at it from a technical perspective, there are only three feasts. So what we need to understand is that all the, all the feasts are appointed times, but not all the appointed times are feasts. And that brings us to the appointed time of Pesach. And I believe why you guys are here this evening. And as I said, I'm not going to do, I've done uh, many teachings about Pesach itself and what it means and what Yeshua have come to, uh, has come to do for us 
and what He has done for us in our lives. But this evening, I want to talk to you about, about what happened before Pesach occurred. And for many years, we have called Pesach a feast. But, but according to the Scriptures we have just, uh, that we've just read, we, um, we see that it is not identified as a feast. So Pesach is not a feast. We see the seven Sabbaths. We see the appointed times. And then we have to ask the question, so if Pesach is not a feast, what is it? We know that it's appointed time. We know that Abba Father said it is very important that we keep it. It is very important that we recognize it. But what is it? What is it if it's not a feast? And the word Pesach means to pass over. So the Hebrew word for Pesach is just to pass over. And therefore it implies the action of death passing over the families and passing over the firstborns of those who had their blood on the lintels of, of the doors. And, and there's just a picture of that. So they painted it on the sides and above the door. And if the blood of the lamb, of the Pesach lamb, was on um, the doorposts, nobody would die within that household. Because it's the blood that saved them from death. Just like the blood of Yeshua, the blood of Jesus Christ, saved you and I from internal de uh, eternal death. And therefore, if we look at this, it actually refers to the lamb that was to be slaughtered on the day of Abba Father's judgment over Egypt. That is, that is what Pesach actually is. It is the sacrifice that was made. It is the lamb that was, that was slaughtered. And we see this in Exodus 12, verse 21. And he says, Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take uh, you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. He says, and kill the Pesach. You cannot kill a feast. I don't, I don't know if you've tried to. Well, some guys do try and kill the feast, but we don't. We keep the feast. But you cannot kill a feast. So what is it that he, they killed? They killed the sacrifice. They killed the lamb. So Pesach refers to the lamb. And then we see in Exodus 12, verse 26 to 27, it says, And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean you by the service? that you shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. And again, that word that is, that is used there in Hebrew, it says there, if I read it in, in Hebrew, it says, um, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Pesach. And then he says, who passed, which is also Pesach, who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed their, um, their head and worshipped. And we must understand this, and if you look at Egypt, everywhere Egypt is used in the Bible, Egypt always refers to sin. And what does he say? He says, I have come to take you out of an environment of sin. And that's what he's saying to you and I today. So is it still relevant to us? Absolutely, because he has freed us from sin. He has freed us from our Egypt that we were, we were held captive in. And that is what it means. And therefore, He was the sacrifice. Yeshua was the sacrifice for that. He is the one who shed the blood. So it's important that we understand this whole process. And so what, when we read this, we can clearly see that, um, the, that Pesach or the Passover refers to the lamb as well as the action of passing over, of uh, not killing the firstborns in the homes where the blood was present. Isn't that amazing? And, and maybe some of you sitting here, I see some of you nodded and said, yeah, 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 we know this. And, and I think a lot of us didn't know this. Are there anyone here that didn't know this? Thank you. We didn't know this. Why not? Because we haven't read it like this. 
We, we don't go and investigate what this actually means. So we know that Yeshua was the Pesach lamb because that is what John the Baptist called him. Do you remember when he was sitting and he was near the, the river Jordan and he saw Yeshua coming along and he said, surely there is the lamb of God. That is the Pesach lamb. But when he refers to him as the lamb of God, he says in the second time that he sees him, he says to everybody, there is the lamb of God who has come to take away our sins. And when he refers to that, he calls him the Pesach lamb, but he also calls him the lamb of Yom Kippur that was um, sacrificed for your sins and for my sins. That's who Jesus is. That's what he came to do for us. That's how he came to fulfill the feasts of God. And if we look at the feasts of God, it is God's pattern for, the, for man's redemption. That is what the feasts indicate. And therefore, we need to take notice of God's feast, and we need to keep on keeping the feast, because if we don't, we'll miss his plan, and we'll miss what the Word actually tells us about this. And we know that, that through his action of sacrificing himself on the cross, he allowed everlasting death to pass over us. And what an amazing realization that we are saved from everlasting death and we have been given everlasting life. Everlasting life. That is what he brought each one of us. But we also understand that there was a Pesach meal that they had to take. And we see this in Exodus 12 verse 5 to 8. And it says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats doesn't matter. And you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And this is an interesting scripture because what happens is it, they were told that on the 10th of the month, they will identify the Pesach lamb and they will keep it until the, until the 14th. They will investigate the lamb to make sure that he's without blemish. And what happened to Yeshua? He came into Jerusalem four days before Pesach. He came into Jerusalem on the 10th of the month, and they investigated him, and they didn't find him with any blemish. And on the 14th day, as it says here, Yeshua was crucified for you and I. Exactly the same thing that happened with the Pesach lamb. Verse 7. And they shall take of the blood, uh, just, just one thing here, when they say that they, they shall kill it in the evening, it means they shall kill it before sunset, before the new day start. Because remember, in biblical times, the, well, still for some people in the world, the, the day starts at sunset, not at midnight. So when he says it shall be killed in the evening, it means it shall be killed before the evening comes. And that time was three o'clock in the afternoon. That's when the Pesach lamb was, was sacrificed. And verse 7, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. So what does it say to us? It says that what is going to happen now is they will sacrifice the lamb, they will slaughter the lamb, not one bone of this lamb should be broken, and then what they will do is they will, they will, um, <laughs> what was it? They will barbecue, they will roast the lamb. They cannot cook, boil it in, in water. They must roast the lamb. They had a braai, guys, really. So that's what happened, like a spit. 
So they roasted the lamb, and they said not, not one bone in his body must be broken. And then after that happened, at that night, in other words, at the start of the new day, at the start of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they had their Pesach meal. They were eating of the lamb. And he said, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And verse 8, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Three things. The lamb itself, because that was the sacrifice, that was, that's what they would eat. They would eat it with unleavened bread and they will eat it with bitter herbs. That's what, it, what, what needs to happen. So the lamb will be killed at the end of the 14th day, just before sunset. That's when the sacrifice took place. They shall then roast the lamb. They shall eat it after sunset, at the beginning of the 15th day, at the beginning of the feast of unleavened bread. And then they will eat it with bread and bitter herbs. It is an instruction from our Father. We can't get away from it. That is what he instituted. That is what we need to keep. That is what we need to understand because there is a reason for that. And there's a reason why Yeshua was the Pesach lamb. There's a reason why he is the unleavened bread for us. There is a reason why he came and he took the bitter herbs away from you and I because he took the sin away that was within us. It all points to him. It all points to Jesus Christ. And then it says, you know, if, if, if we read this whole thing, I, I think what is interesting for us to note is you can read that whole scripture. And nowhere in that scripture do they talk about that there was an egg involved in this whole thing. It doesn't talk about any vegetables or parsley that was involved in this, in this meal that they were to eat. There wasn't any um, sweet apple and nut mixture that they had to eat. None of that was there. And, and what does that say to us? It is when we look at what the Jewish guys are doing at the moment, the Jews are still doing this. And when they eat the, the, the Pesach meal, they call it the Pesach cedar. And they, all, they have all these funny things on this plate. And it's not scriptural. <laughs> Nowhere in the Bible do we find it. And, and one of the bones, the, the lamb's bone that is on the plate is a broken bone. Yeshua's bones were not broken. The Pesach lamb's bones weren't broken. This is not according to scripture. And you know what is sad to me is that when we look at this, you know, the Pesach Cedar, if we go and do some research, you will see that it was only instituted after the year 70 after Christ, after the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem. It didn't, wasn't there before. It never happened before. And this is another tradition that is followed by Christians that shouldn't be followed. Because we deviate from the truth of the word of God. We shouldn't be doing that. And what we see in this whole process is we see that the Pesach meal is eaten on the first day of the week on the Feast of, of Unleavened Bread. And we see this in Leviticus 23 verse 5 to 6. And it says, in, in the 14th day of the first month at even, it is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Unto the Lord seven days must you eat unleavened bread. And that is when they started having the Pesach meal. Now the question arises, if we read this, and we talk about this meal that was, that was consumed, um, the Pesach meal, and I don't want to talk about the Pesach meal this evening, I've done that before, but I want to talk about, specifically want to talk about the meal that Yeshua and his disciples had. So the question arises, was the Last Supper actually a Pesach meal? Did they eat the Pesach meal? 
And when the meal was prepared, was it specifically prepared as a Pesach meal, or was it a different type of meal that they were preparing and that they were eating? And sometimes when you read in the four Gospels, it might appear that some of the information is contradictory. But that's because we don't always understand the terminology that they use. Because we look at what they were talking about and what they were saying. We look at it from a Western, a, a Western culture instead of a Middle Eastern culture or a Hebrew culture. And we don't always understand what they were saying. And I'm going to try and put this together for you. So when we look at the three synoptic gospels, and you, I, I hope you all know what the three synoptic gospels are. It's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is referred to as the spiritual gospel. But when you look at the Synoptic Gospels, it appears that Yeshua had the Passover meal with his disciples on Passover. And he was crucified on the first day of unleavened bread. And you can go and read it. And if you read it carefully, that's the assumption that you will make. John, on the other hand, points to the fact that the Last Supper was eaten the evening before the Pesach um, was sacrificed, before the Pesach lamb was sacrificed, before the Pesach meal was, was eaten. And then he say, says to us that, that Yeshua was crucified at the same time of the offering of the Pesach lamb. So the time that they actually sacrificed the lamb was exactly the same time that Yeshua was crucified. Exactly the same time. And that is what John tells us. And this is something that we need to understand. Because the meal cannot be held before the sacrifice. You cannot eat the lamb until it's being roasted. It has to be sacrificed first, then it has to be roasted, then you can have the Pesach meal. doesn't work the other way around. So Yeshua had the meal before he was the sacrifice. Was this a Passover meal? Mm, doesn't seem like it. So what was it? Maybe we'll get there. So according to John, Yeshua was crucified on the preparation day which means the 14th. So when does the 14th start? When it starts at the end of the 13th, the night before, the evening before, at sunset. So it was before Yeshua's crucifixion. The Last Supper was held before Yeshua's crucifixion. And therefore, if John is correct, then the Last Supper could not have been a Pesach meal. And there's a, there are a few verses that explain this, and I want to go through these verses with you. The first one we see in John 13, verse 1. It says, Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. So what is he saying? He says, This will happen before. So this is John 13, 1. So then look at John 13, 2. John 13, 2 says, and supper being ended. Wow. So John says, when the supper ended, after the end of the supper, he would then become the Passover lamb. He would then be sacrificed as the Passover lamb. And then he just says there, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And it's quite interesting if we, if we look at this, there's a, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says we need to get rid of the leaven from our homes. And Judas leaves after the supper as the leaven is supposed to leave the house of the Lord. It's quite amazing. So this happened before the Passover meal because the leaven had to be moved and removed before the Passover meal could be, take, could be taken and therefore Judas Iscariot who is related back to the, to the um, 
um, to the leaven, he leaves when they were just finished, when they just finished the meal. John 19 verse 14, it says the following. It says, and it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour, and he said unto the Jews, behold your king. What is this? Who's talking here? Pontius Pilate. In other words, this was still on the preparation time. So before the sacrifice of the lamb, he said, this is your king. And what happened here? Yeshua and the disciples had already had the meal. This was not before they had the meal. This was after they had the meal. And then we see in John 19 verse 31, it says, The Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. What does that mean? It means that, as I remember what I said to you when I showed you that, ta that table? So unleavened bread, the first day of unleavened bread is a high Sabbath. It is a Sabbath day. So this had to happen before the Sabbath started. So before the first day of unleavened bread that evening. He, say, he says there, for that Sabbath day was a high day. It means it wasn't on a normal Sabbath or normal, what we know as a, as a Friday evening, Saturday um, Sabbath day. And, and for those people who believe that the Sunday is a Sabbath day, it's not true. Never was, never will be. It's never changed in the Word of God. So he says, and that was a high day. And it says, uh, they besought uh, Pilate um, that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So what happened is when they broke their legs, they couldn't lift themselves up to breathe. So when their legs were broken, they suffocated on their own breath. And what would then happen is they would die a lot quicker so they can get them off the cross before the Sabbath start. Because the Bible says nobody can hang on a cross or on a tree on the Sabbath. So they had to be removed. And when they got to Yeshua, he was already dead. And then we see in John 19, verse 42, it says, There laid they Jesus, therefore because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. So it was near to them. In other words, this still happened during the preparation day, the 14th, before the, the lamb, or before they had the Pesach meal. We need to understand this is very, very important. And we must realize this, Jesus could not eat the Pesach lamb because he was the Pesach lamb. He couldn't eat the lamb because he was it. And Paul confirms this in, in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 to 8. He says, Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast. Not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And what is he saying to us? He says to us, and, and, and I love Paul because Paul says these, these incredible things to us. He says to us, and if we talk about the temple, he says, doesn't refer to the temple anymore. He says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple that God's Holy Spirit lives within? So my body becomes the temple, and if I have to clean my house, and if I have to remove the leaven from my house, what do I have to do? I need to remove the sin from my life. And people still ask me, do we still have to eat leavened bread for seven, unleavened bread for seven days? No, you don't have, you, if you want to. But get rid of the sin in your life. That's what we need to do. God wants a clean house. He wants a house filled with His Holy Spirit. And we cannot keep on putting sin into our bodies and believing that the Holy Spirit will remain there. 
We've got to get rid of the sin. We've got to get rid of the leaven in our lives. It is very important. Now, at the meal of Yeshua and the disciples, no lamb, no bitter herbs, and no unleavened bread is actually mentioned. The only thing they spoke about was the bread that they had. That was it. And this is an interesting one. If, if you do some word study, I don't know if you do word study, please start doing that. Because it's, it's very interesting when you start reading the Bible and you see something in English or in Afrikaans, and you go into the Greek and you see what the Greek word is for that, it, 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 it opens up a new world. <laughs> it's awesome. We understand the Bible completely differently. And it's important that we do this. And, and when you look at this Greek word, so the bread, the bread that they ate at the Last Supper was not unleavened bread. And when it said he took the bread, and it says and he broke the bread. And that bread that he broke wasn't unleavened. Because the Greek word for, for that bread that he has broken, that he says that, and he broke the bread, is the word artos. And, and if we go and we read the Hebrew scriptures of, um, of the, the Gospels, and you look at the Hebrew of the Gospels, it talks about and it refers to this bread as lechem. And lechem is just normal bread. Artos is just normal bread. It is bread with leaven in it. You see, if it was unleavened bread, he would have said, and he took the atzumos. Or it would say, and he took the matzos and he broke it. But it doesn't say that. Because it refers to it. As leavened bread. Just normal bread that he broke. Now what is also clear. Is that the disciples thought. When, you, when Yeshua sent Judas out. Remember when he said to Judas you must leave. The disciples thought he was actually going to buy some stuff for the Pesach meal. Now this is strange. Because when Judas left they had finished the meal. So why would the disciples think that, they, that Yeshua sent him out to go buy something for the Pesach meal? And listen to this. You don't have to believe me. Read the scriptures. John 13 verse 29. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need, uh, need of against the feast. And it says, or that he should give some, something to the poor. Go and buy something. Listen, this is very important. Go and buy something. He left that evening after the supper. And it says they thought he was going, he was sent to go and buy something. Now the Pesach meal was eaten at the start of the high Sabbath. Remember we said that. So the Pesach meal was eaten on the first day of unleavened bread. What was the first day of unleavened bread? It was a high Sabbath. And here's the thing. Judas would not have been able to purchase anything on the Sabbath wouldn't be available. They weren't allowed to do any business on the Sabbath. They weren't allowed to buy anything on the Sabbath. So the disciples were eating a meal the night before it was officially Pesach. Or it was the night before it was officially the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Because the next verse, if we read that, verse, uh, John uh, 13 verse 30, it says, He, that is Judas, then having received the sop, that is a piece of bread, went immediately out and it was night. And another clear indication that it could not have been the Pesach meal is given to us by Matthew. Matthew 26 verse 30. And it says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So first, Judas leaves that evening. And then after they sung the hymn, they all left and they went to the Mount of Olives. This happened after the meal. After Yeshua broke the bread. 
and gave them the wine or the grape juice. And if we look at our Father's instruction regarding the Pesach meal, it is very clear. In Exodus 12, verse 22 and 24, listen to what God says. He says, And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Oh. We're not allowed to go anywhere, apparently, according to this scripture. And in verse 24 it says, And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. Now, one of the things that I don't understand is forever has not stopped. I don't know if it did, but I can't find it in history that forever stopped sometime. Maybe you guys have a date, but I couldn't find it. And if he says we've got to keep this forever, we need to keep this in remembrance forever until Yeshua returns. That's how long we, that it has to happen. And some people refer to Mark 14 verse 12 as indicating that this was definitely the Pesach meal. And when we read it, we'll see this, Mark 14 verse 12. And it says, and the first day of unleavened bread. And I just want to give you the word that is used there in Greek. The word is the word protos. It says, and the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, where wilt thou that we go and prepare thou, uh, that thou may eat the Passover? Now it sounds that they were going to eat the Passover. But this word protos actually means before as well. So if we read the scripture again and we use the word before, it says, and before the day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, where should we go and prepare this? And while they were having this meal, they were still thinking about the Passover meal because when Yeshua sent out Judas, they thought he was going to buy some stuff for the Passover meal. John 1 verse 15. Listen to what it says there. It says, John bear witness of him. This is John the Baptist and cried saying, this was he of whom I spake. He that came, uh, comes after me is preferred before me for he was before in the same word protos me. He was before me. So if we read this, we see that maybe there's a little bit of a translation issue here. Not a scriptural issue, but a translation issue. And also if we look at Mark, Mark does not say that they were actually eating the Pesach meal. Mark 14 verse 18, and it says, And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eats with me shall betray me. Doesn't mention Pesach at all. Doesn't mention the Pesach meal. And we also find an interesting scripture in Matthew. And when we read this scripture in Matthew, this happens when the high priest and the Pharisees went to Pilate to request that he places the soldiers at the tomb. Remember what happened. So Yeshua is crucified. He's taken off the cross before the Sabbath starts. He is laid in the, in, in the grave. And then they roll the stone in front of the grave. And these guys are scared that the disciples are going to come steal the body and say, you know, yeah, look, you know, he did what he said he was going to do. So they go to Pilate and they say to Pilate, listen, there's a problem. And listen to what happens here. Matthew 27, verse 62 and 64. It says, now, it's, uh, now the next day that followed the day of the uh, preparation. Now, obviously, the, the day that follows the preparation is the first day of unleavened bread, and it is the Sabbath. So that starts at sunset of that same, the, the day of preparation at sunset. 
we have the next day. It says, the chief priest or the high priest and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver, now they call Yeshua, they call Jesus Christ the deceiver. So they say that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. And now here comes their request. And they say, command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciple come, disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. So they're scared. And I wonder sometimes why the Pharisees would be so afraid if he wasn't the Messiah. If he wasn't the king, if he wasn't the son of God, why were they so afraid of what was going to happen? That they asked people to guard it, the soldiers to guard it. They did guard the, this, the, the grave, and we all know what happened there. And according to the scripture, Matthew now agrees with John when Yeshua was crucified, and therefore the Last Supper could not have been the Pesach meal. It's impossible. So what was this meal? And what, was, what is the significance of this meal to you and I? Yeshua makes a statement after um, the situation where the Pharisees confronted him when, uh, I don't know if you remember this, so the disciples were eating bread. And the Pharisees came to Yeshua and he says, why are they not washing their hands before they eat? Do you remember that whole, that whole story that happened there? And, and we know this is, this is not because their hands were dirty. This was a religious thing. It was a, it was a sacrificial thing or a sacrimonial thing, not a sacrificial thing, a sacrimonial thing. And they had this jug with two, two um, uh, ears on the jug. So what would happen, their one handle, they would take the one handle in their right hand and they would just pour the water on their hands to make the left hand clean. And then with a clean hand, they will take the, the, the other um, handle of the jug and then they would pour water on their right hand. And with the right hand, which is now clean, they would then take the bread and eat it. So it had nothing to do with, you know, working and your hands are dirty. It is a ritual thing that they were talking about. In fact, it doesn't even say that in the Word of God. And that's why he said it was a tradition. But listen what happens here when they said this to Yeshua. In Mark 7 verse 6 to 8. And it says, and he, on, he answered, this is Yeshua answering them, and he said, he answered and said unto them, well, has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites as it is written? And he says, this is the prophecy that was given. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He says, how about in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men? And when we look at this, he talks about the traditions of men. He says, for laying, laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. So he's referring to something that God spoke to us about. What is he referring to? And it is clear when we read the context of what Yeshua is saying here to us, that he, when he answers them, that his answer was related to eating a meal. And even though that, that included all forms of, tra of tradition, but, but it specifically was referring to this meal. And Yeshua referred to all the commandments of Abba Father, but maybe we should just ask this question, is it possible that he also referred to the commandments regarding the meals that Abba Father has given us in the Old Testament? And now we need to understand this. The phrase breaking bread was a common phrase used when describing people having a meal. 
was just a common phrase. Remember when Yeshua fed the 5,000? He broke the bread, said a blessing, and he gave it to them to eat. And if we look at that in Mark 14, uh, Matthew 14, verse 19, it says, And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Sounds very similar to what happened at the Last Supper. Matthew 26, verse 26, this is the Last Supper. And it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he says, Take, eat, this is my body. Sounds very similar. The same thing happened when he met up with the two disciples en route to Emmaus. And this is after his resurrection. Remember, they were walking and they were talking about what has happened and they were talking about the resurrection. And suddenly Yeshua was talking, was walking amongst them. And they were asking him, don't you know what happened in Jerusalem? They didn't recognize him. But listen what, what happens here. Luke 24 verse 30. He then had a meal. Remember they said to him, no, come with us and come and have a meal with us. And he said, and it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Again, very similar to what happened at the Last Supper. We see the same pattern with the congregation of Yeshua in Acts 2 verse 46. We saw it when Paul was with the congregation in Troas, when he was teaching on the first day of the week in Acts 20 verse 7. And we see this in various other places in the Old and in the New Testament, where breaking of bread meant having a meal with somebody. Just a normal meal. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 21 to 22 Paul comes and he makes this strong statement. Listen to the statement that Paul makes. He says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And this is a strong statement that is being made by Paul. And now the question is, is he, is he talking about the Pesach meal or could he be re referring to something else? Is it possible that the Last Supper was referring to another meal that Abba Father wants us to keep in remembrance of Him? Is it possible that this specific meal was a, rem was a reminder of the covenant that Abba Father has with His followers? And is it possible that Yeshua wants us to keep this meal in remembrance of the covenant that He has with you and I? Could this be the same meal? Is it possible that he wants us to remember his covenant every day and not just once a year? Does he want to remind us of the covenant that he has with us every single day of our lives? Let's look at the commandment our Father gave us in his Torah. And for those people who don't know what the word Torah means, it's just a, it's just a description of the Hebrew word for the five, first five books in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That is called the Torah. And in Deuteronomy 8 verse 6 to 11 it says this. It says, Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God brings thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and, uh, and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. And what is he talking about here? He says, I am your provider. I am providing this for you. Verse 9, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread with scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou may dig brass. 
Verse 10, when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he has given thee. And isn't this amazing? He says, when you eat his bread, you shall bless him. What did Yeshua do every time that he broke the bread? He blessed Abba Father. There was a blessing said over the bread that came from Abba Father. And then we see in verse 11, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. And what did, when we look at this meal, this meal was the daily meal that was held in the evening, just like the Last Supper. And at this meal, our Father had to be blessed, just like at the Last Supper. And at this meal, the focus was on the bread, which refers to the Word of God, just like at the Last Supper. And this bread... At this meal was lechem. If you read that and you can go and look at the Hebrew, it was lechem. It was leavened bread, just like the Last Supper. And Abba Father commanded us to keep this meal in remembrance of Him, just like Yeshua did at the Last Supper. In most cases, leaven refers to sin. But you know that in Matthew 13, verse 33, Yeshua compares the kingdom of God with the leaven that saturates the dough. It is the only time that he refers to leaven as a positive. It's the only time that we can read into this leaven that he's referring to that flows through and that saturates the dough as the Holy Spirit that needs to saturate you and I. And this is a reminder of the Holy Spirit that fills us with the Word of God. Bread always refers to the Word of God. And when Yeshua instructs us to eat the bread it is a symbol of His body. He is commanding us to fill ourselves with His Word. And when you go and read um, Revelation 19, verse 13, uh, verse 13, it says, And His name is the Word of God. And He says, When you eat my body, I want you to fill yourself with the Word of God. That's what that means. See, the wine or the grape juice is a reminder of His blood that was to be shed so that we can be in covenant with Him, and so that you and I can be reconciled with Abba Father. And that we can be in an intimate relationship again with Abba Father. That is what was brought to us by His blood. And this meal was to be eaten every day in remembrance to Yeshua for what He has done for you and I, exactly like the Scripture says in the Torah, in Deuteronomy, that we need to, re that we need to eat this as a remembrance of what Abba Father has done for us. And ultimately, everything we have, everything that we have comes from our Father, who is our provider and who sustains us. And by acknowledging this, we continue to remind ourselves to be grateful, to take nothing for granted, and to value our Father's provision in our lives. And through this, we acknowledge the love that our Father has for each and every one of us, that He gave His only begotten Son to be the Pesach Lamb who was sacrificed for us so that we can have everlasting life and that we can be in an intimate relationship with our Father again. In remembering Pesach, we also celebrate the love feast, the covenant meal that Yeshua pre presented before he, came, before he became the, sac the sacrifice for each and every one of us. You see, this is a thing that is a daily thing. It is not something that we only do once a year. It is not something that we remember once a year on Pesach. 
Was he the Pesach lamb? Absolutely, he was the Pesach lamb. But when he presented this meal to his disciples, he said to them, I want you to remember this every single day of your lives. And this is a reminder to you and I. And the question is, I've got to ask myself this question. When we sit down to have a meal with our friends, when we sit down to have a meal with our families, are we doing it in remembrance of Jesus Christ in our lives? Are we breaking bread and saying, thank you, Lord, for the covenant that you have with us. Thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross for us. And I think maybe we need to get to a point where we sit down at the evening meal and at every evening meal we need to take the covenant meal with our meals in remembrance of what Yeshua has done for us. And then we'll never forget what He has done for you and I. And that's what our Father wants us to remember. That's what He's presented to us. And if I go and I look at the Scripture, and I must be honest with you guys, I, I only had a you know, the time that are available to me now to do, to do the, this um, uh, message to you in, in, in as short as possible I could. But, but this is probably a three or four hour teaching that we can do and just go in and search the scriptures to see what this is all about. And this is what I want you to remember this evening. Don't believe me. Go read the Bible. Be Bereans. Go search the scriptures. Go search the word of God to see that what I've told you is true. Don't just believe me. But you know, it, it was such an amazing revelation when I, when I read this and I started, started going into this and I started investigating what this was all about. And I realized, but this is something that God wants us to do every single day of our lives. And this evening we are to celebrate Pesach. But I believed it was important for me to tell you that, that every evening we should be doing the same thing. Every evening we should come before the Lord. Every evening we should have a, a Pesach meal, or not a Pesach meal, a covenant meal. Every evening we should break the bread and think of what He's done for you and I. Every evening we should think about the leaven that He's talking about in this bread, that that leaven must be the Holy Spirit that needs to saturate us, and that His Word needs to saturate us so that we can live godly lives for Him. May you be blessed this evening with this message. It's so wonderful to be the word of the Lord to read and to understand and to see what He really for each one of us does. And how important it is that we understand what did Yeshua really for us do. En my gebed vir julle, vir elkeen van julle vanavond is dat, is dat julle gevuld sal word met die woord van God, dat julle gevuld sal word met die heilige gees. En dat julle werkelijke aanraking van Abba Vader sal ontvang ook in hierdie aand. En dat jou leven nooit weer die sal wees van vanavond af nie. Amen.